Hello and howdy. Welcome to another Adventures in Angular. My name is Alyssa Michael, and today with us on the show, we have Brooks Forsyth. Hello. Chris Ford. Hello. And Brad McAllister. Hello. That was, <laughs> that was great. Is, is well, it McAllister you. or McAllister? Either. <laughs> technically, technically, it's probably McAllister, but you know, it just kind of goes together. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome. We are so pumped to officially have you on the panel. So glad to have you, Brad. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And our guest of honor this afternoon or morning, whatever time it is for you, is Katarina. Katarina, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So first of all, it's evening for me. <laughs> and my name is Katarina Skrumpailu. So just a note there on the pronunciation. I know it's hard. I'm a Google developer expert for Angular, Google Maps, and Web Technologies. I'm a software engineer at Narwhal. And I also run the I also am the co-founder and help run the Angular Athens Meetup, the Meetup for Angular here in Athens. And I also like to play around with new technologies for the web. And I really, really like maps, as you will find out today. <laughs> Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. I know, I heard our, our, our title, our conversation today is working with Google Maps and Angular specifically. So I'm super, super excited about the topic. And I didn't know that you were a GDE in so many things. That's awesome. <laughs> and today I learned that I've been pronouncing your last name incredibly wrong. Wait, how are you saying, how are you saying Sc that? Scrumpaloo? I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, some, some Greeks even fail to pronounce it correctly, so yeah. Oh, that's can you be. say it again? Say yes. it again so I can kind of cement it. Scrubelu. Scrubelu? Yes. Okay, cool. I will do my best to remember that from now. You need to okay. give us all a test at the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Honestly, you're like, Katarina in like the Angular and Dev community to me, and so I'm like, yeah, it's like, does does she need any other like? <laughs> she's the Katarina. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, welcome to the show. Let's dive right in. Tell us what we're talking about, even though I've kind of spoiled it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So today we'll we'll talk about Google Maps and Angular. I've done a few talks in the past about the subject, but today I was hoping that since we have a panel and since I may be getting questions from you, we can dive a little bit deeper on some of the points or you can ask me a few things like, what can you really do? Or <laughs> these types of things. So I don't know exactly how you would like to get started. Yeah, like what project did you get started on with maps? So like what led you into the whole maps thing? So thank you for the nice question. So first, I was always into maps. Maybe a bit later, I will tell you a cute little story of how I got into Google Maps and Google Earth in the first place. But when I was, my first job was working for a research institute here in Greece. And we were working on some projects that needed us to have some web maps where we would uh, have to, to input some geocoding and some geolocation on the maps so as to control some some fleets for the fire service and also add some security features of where, for example, some fire truck should go if there was a fire because it was such a project that was 
for for managing the the fire service fleet so we needed to use maps for that and it was my first ever job as a web developer and i was it was back then i was using angular js it was angular 1.3 or 1.4 i think it was a long time ago so with this tool i also had i had also started working with open layers open layers is a very very complex and comprehensive library that you can use to to add maps to your web application it's it's sort of like having a full GIS engine on your browser. But it turns out that because of some permissions and some other things that uh, we needed to, to deploy this application, we had to switch to Google Maps. So back then, the Google Maps JavaScript API had a lot less things than it supports now, and we're going to see what it supports later on. So I had to find a way to, to bring over all the functionalities that I was implementing in open layers, which, which was a complex comprehensive library into Google Maps. So some of the functionalities was adding annotations on the map, uh, creating visuals, saving GeoJSON files, and a lot of complex things that somebody can do on a JS software. So that was the first thing that got me into using the Google Maps JavaScript API. And I, it was a first deep dive into it back like, I don't remember how many, it was seven years ago, maybe, or six or seven years ago, which was a lot simpler than it is now. So this interesting question brought up a number of subjects, like what is data annotation on a map? And what is a GeoJSON file? And what is a GIS software? So maybe we can start looking into this thing separately a little bit, if you don't mind. What do you think? Yeah, was one of those, I had one of those questions ready to okay. go. I, actually, <laughs> I, know. I like the fact that you're reading my mind and I, I can just sit here enwrapped and listen, <laughs> learn. Yeah, so there was one more question before that, before Brad asked his question for me. There was the question, what is a map? So a map is a two-dimensional, yeah, that <laughs> is a two-dimensional representation of a piece of the earth, right? It's just, if you think about it, if you look at a map, it can't be to scale, it can be not on, not in scale, but it's still a two-dimensional representation. You can draw a square and it will be a two-dimensional rep representation of a building. You can open the Google Maps application on your phone and you see all these lines and all these dots and it's a two-dimensional representation of your neighborhood. So a map is just that. It's just some lines and some dots that represent data. And the data represents the actual world. And we have come up with some conventions to sort of educate our minds as to what this data means. So a map is just that. And GIS software is geographical information system software. This is what the acronym means. And it's some software that is made to manage this information, this data that is connected to geographical information. And a maps engine, for example, is in a way a geographical information system, in a way, in a much simpler way, for example, is a map like is a web map library. Then this data is represented on a map. It's usually represented in some standard formats. A standard, a very standard and usual format to represent geographical data is GeoJSON, which is JSON that is made to represent geographical data. <laughs> it's pretty, um, what's the word? Yeah, it's, it's a pretty obvious word, <laughs> what it means. Other typical types of data uh, of ways to represent geographical data is a KML or GML, which is specific for Google Maps. And luckily, Google Maps, as most geographical information systems, su supports all these types of data. Were there any other unknown words that I introduced in my first part? Let me I, think. I have a question sure. based on what you just said. The GeoJSON, yeah. is, it, is, it like, is it actually just JSON or is it 
Yes, it's but a JSON. Yeah, it is like, JSON, but it has a specific format. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it I, has some specific conventions okay. of the different geometries you can describe using it. Okay. Sounds like a good reason for another new linter. <laughs> apparently, yeah. Apparently, there is geojson.org, and it goes over that spec. Yes. Exactly. Nice. Then my question was, can we please have the cute story of how you got into maps? Because of I course. <laughs> so. I must have been like 14 years old when my father had a work trip in Bangladesh, right? I live in Greece. So I'm an only child. So my attachment to my parents is borderline unhealthy already. So my father being away in another continent for 10 days, you can only imagine how terrifying that was for me. So my uncle had come visit me at home at that period. So he wanted to try and make me feel better. And that was back in 2002, I think. So he told me, Katarina, come on here, I'll show you something. I'll show you this new amazing application that you can use on your computer that Google made that you can see the world from above. So he opens up Google Earth. It was a totally new thing then. I think it came up in 2001. So, you know, it was pretty new then. I had never seen it before. And he zoomed over in Bangladesh and he told me, there is your father. You can always go there and see him from above if you want. <laughs> So for the whole of next week, you can imagine, I was just looking at satellite imagery of Dhaka, for example. <laughs> <laughs> and from then I started being obsessed with Google Earth and then eventually Google Maps. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Did you yeah. like call your dad and like, where are you? And like zoom in on him? Like, he must be right there. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of that way. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, yeah, I always felt... Ever, ever since then, I always felt a little bit of an attachment towards Google Earth and Google Maps. So my obsession with maps started back then. And when I grew older, I, I turned out my first, degree, my first degree was to study architectural engineering, and I had a focus on city planning. And then I got my master's degree in spatial data analysis. And that's where I learned all about geographical information systems and spatial data. <laughs> and it turned out that I really loved drawing maps and putting pins on maps and being aware of my position in space. So, yeah. So whatever, like what brought Angular into that picture? Exactly. How do you bring Angular into that picture? <laughs> so in my first work, as I said, I my first ever actual contact with uh, web development, like in a working environment was at my first job at the Research Institute. And I had a colleague who introduced me into Angular and it was Angular 1.3, I think back then. And because we had to build this system that managed this fire truck fleet, I, and they needed my expertise for maps. And I started using Angular for that because it was the only thing I was learning at that point. I had to bring these two together. So as you can imagine, that was like so many years ago, it was everything was so much different and so much simpler. So when I moved over to to Angular and Google Maps and working there, as the year passed and Angular evolved, changed to Angular, not Angular JS, and Google Maps JavaScript API came over with version three and more and more APIs and more capabilities were added to its toolbox. I I never I never wanted to stop combining these two because it was the first technology that I started working with in my in a working environment. Obviously, because back then Angular was not in TypeScript and was a lot more different in all the ways that it is now. It was just a library. The way to bring Google Maps into Angular was very very simple. You just uh, as as you would add any library back then, you could just link it. You could just add a link, an import link in index.html, right? The same way as you would add any script. 
So when I started working with Angular 2.0 and on, and I wanted to use the Google Maps JavaScript API, it was a lot more complicated. At first, when I started with that, I think there wasn't a library I was aware of, at least. And I sort of Googled on GitHub, Googled on Stack Overflow, of course, on how to bring over Google Maps JavaScript API in an Angular app. And it was very simple. You just created a script loader. You just added a service that would load a script in your in your DOM and then the script would load and you would add sort of a callback and just grab the library whenever it was ready. So when I found that workaround, that simple workaround, yeah, I was happy again that I would work with Angular and Google Maps because of course the new Angular gave me all the all the more great capabilities like using the view child and using the lifecycle hooks and everything to control the map. Because of course, in order to get access to the map objects, you, you need access to the DOM and you need access to the events that, that the user is doing and everything was so much easier with Angular. Now the reasons I, so the thing is that maybe the interesting thing is that I had never used a library sort of a wrapper library around Google Maps in Angular. And I know there are a lot of libraries and some of them are very good <laughs> that take care of that. And it's, it wasn't that it was being snobbish or anything or saying that it's not good to use a, a wrapper <laughs> library for the API, but it's that's because I always needed to do something a little bit more complicated than the integration that these libraries had. I always had to use some parts of the native JavaScript API of Google Maps and I went with that way. If somebody needs to do something simple with uh, Google Maps, then I guess they should use the library because it would make them, it would make their lives easier, I guess. So that begs the question, why don't you write one that does all the things you need <laughs> to do all the complex things? Yet one more library then. <laughs> yeah, no, because I, I never thought of that because I thought that, I mean, the existing libraries are pretty good to do what somebody needs. And I always felt that if somebody wanted to go one step further, the native JavaScript API is great. And they, have, they always have a lot of great code samples and the, refer the API reference is great. So even if I did make the library that dropped that, then even newer APIs would come and I would need to cover that and it would be like chasing my tail. True, so, true. Yeah. It would be a lot of maintaining. Yeah, <laughs> and not really worth it because, as I'm saying, you can. It's pretty easy to integrate. It's not that you cool. need much. And uh, what's pretty interesting now is that during the past, I don't know, couple of months, they Google Maps have started putting out uh, TypeScript examples, which they didn't have uh, until recently. And well, that's cool. Yeah, I will give you a link. I had uh, so yeah because I really liked Google Maps and I really liked Angular, I had already created a lot of like code samples with TypeScript, with vanilla TypeScript and with Angular. And I had made a couple of demos that they were showing in Google Maps events and I was very proud of myself. Mm. Now, yeah, and now they made obviously their own uh, TypeScript examples to cover the whole of the API. Awesome. TypeScript for the win. Yes. Yeah, they were, they were already types. They, uh, you know, definitely typed had already created a, a awesome. package of types, yeah. In Angular 10, don't they just bring in, isn't there a, yeah, okay. Because I was, I was using a library in Angular 9. AGM was the yeah. AGM. Yeah, That's okay. the one. That's the one. And then Angular 10, it wasn't updating to Angular 10 because they said on the GitHub, like, well, Angular 10 has a, I think it's a module or, or whatever that they've made, right? 
Exactly. So now the, uh, Google Maps is part of Angular components. Angular components, you know, is the Angular material next thing. And yeah, Google Maps is a part of Angular components now. And the, the Google Maps component makes everything so simple because it handles the loading of the API like totally smoothly. You just add the components, you just link the, the API and you have it there. It makes everything simpler. And luckily it, ha it does have a lot of wrappings around a lot of parts of the API. And if you want to go one step further, well, you can still use that and combine it with the native JavaScript API. So it's it's pretty useful and it's great. So I was, I was found, very excited. You still have found reasons to need the native JavaScript API then? Yeah, because you, so let's go over some parts of the JavaScript API. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the Google Maps JavaScript API, but you can do a lot of things. Like the simplest thing you can think about when using a map, I guess, is adding a pin on a map, right? I guess it's the, the most obvious thing that we're all familiar with. Like you open Google Maps and it's full of pins there of businesses and everything. But the when you're working with the API, you can also create data visualizations. I am sure, especially now with uh, the spread of COVID, you have all seen maps where you have visualizations on maps that you have COVID data, for example, circles around hotspots or heat maps of where cases are, are more or the concentration of cases. So the Google Maps JavaScript API does offer libraries to to help you visualize your data either in heat maps or in other ways. Yeah, I would love or, to hear just like a list of things you can do because I personally have never yeah. worked with Google Maps. So like you're saying that you can do heat maps, you can, can you do like custom drawings on the map or? Of course. So one more thing that you can do, of course, if you have data and you have data and you import it on the map. And as I said, the Google Maps JavaScript API supports most major geographical data types. I mean it supports the ones you will you will need like it's it supports uh, of course you can always read a csv and parse it into a json it supports json json kml gml grss so anything you may need so if you have data and you import it on the map google maps just gives you ways to visualize that either in heat maps or you can add points and because you can add your own custom markers or your own custom drawings for example you can add points of different sizes to indicate a concentration of data, as I said before. Another thing you can do is uh, animate points. So you can create animations on Google Maps, for example, a ship that is moving or a plane that is moving. Another thing you can do, another pretty simple thing that you can do is that you can brand your map to match your business or whatever you want. You can change the colors. You can remove features from the map. So you can remove types of roads. You can uh, change the language of the, the places or you can remove tiles from places. You can change the color of geographies. So geographies are like the water or, or place or, I don't know, natural... I don't know what it's called. Mountains. Mountains. Yes, and yeah, exa exactly. Yeah. Yes. So anything that is grouped into taxonomy, say, you can change its color. Whenever I cannot think of a word in English, I use the, the Greek equivalent. <laughs> I love it. Nice. I love it. Just, <laughs> and it's, just, just go, go Greek. Go for Greek. <laughs> and it sounds fancy as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. That's what we do. We, we use French words when we need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sound fancy? Yeah. So... 
Or you can also, of course, ask for the user's location and add it on the map, you know, the little blue dot that you're seeing on your phone to, to personalize the map. For example, all the location-based services, you can build your own because you have the user's location and Google Maps also offers you access to the Places Library, the, the Places API. So the Places API is access to all the places that you see on Google Maps. You know, all the businesses, all the, the names, all the towns. So you can build a search around that and and provide service and provide, yeah, with location-based, your users with location-based services. Also, you can use the address autocomplete feature that you can add in your applications. For example, if a user is, uh, wants to input their address, they can either start typing and the address will be filled out or they can put a pin on the map and you can get the address from that. Work so for free. Yeah, I was gonna say, is this for free? Uh, yeah, so there is billing. There is wow. billing, of course. Ah, uh, yeah. That was gonna be my especially next question. For the, yeah, but the billing is, is pretty, is not as expensive as you may think. I'll find the billing page in the end after I've gone through the list of things. Okay. But yeah, I'd like not... to see real world, like real world costs of all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, we will see. And there is also, I think, a price calculator that you can use, of course, with all Google services. Yeah. So yeah, the Google Maps platform, yeah, it's part of Google Cloud Platform. So if you have an account of Google Cloud Platform or if you're using any other Google Cloud services, it will be added into that bill. That's <laughs> really, really interesting because I worked at a place a, few, a number of years ago where we needed like an, an address, basically what you've described, you know, an, an address finder thing um, as part of the application. And, and um, here in the UK, certainly at the time, there was like only one company that provided that service. And so it was just astronomically expensive. Like in fact, it just, it just priced us out, but the company, we, we just couldn't do it because it was so expensive. So I'm actually really interested that that's now part of, part of the Google Maps because just, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's pretty powerful if you think about it, because think of all the data that Google Maps has accumulated. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, what else you can do? You can add your custom legends or you can add any custom buttons you want on your map to control it, to turn it around, to change the direction, the bearing or the zoom. And other interesting things that you can do is you can calculate distances, like distances sort of in either in real life, like, you know, how the earth is curved, and you, it's no, a... Uh, sure? <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Please continue. No, I'm sorry. No, I mean, it provides you with a distance matrix, with a distance matrix API, and you can either, you can either, of course, calculate distances taken from, uh, either taken from directions, or by by using a formula to calculate the distance on the sphere on yeah on the spheroid there's also data about the about elevation so if you want to build a walking application or a hiking application or a biking application elevation is the one thing you should definitely care about so the elevation service gives you the elevation of each point on the map that you want i guess I think most points <laughs> and you can use that in order to first of all to calculate distances more accurately and second of all to provide the walker or the biker with the difference in elevation so that they can take this into account and you can create more accurate applications towards that direction can you get the what's it called the contour lines that, that show, they show you how steep something is like when they're when they're super close together it means it's really steep and when they're yeah. further apart can you, can you yeah. get that on it as well 
I don't. So there is the terrain. So if you go on Google Maps, or you can also do it from the Google Maps API, you can switch the view to terrain. And I'm pretty sure the terrain does show you sort of something like contour lines. But let me see. <laughs> Someone from Google will listen to this and go, now we must add the contour lines. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure there there is. I want to check. We have these uh, maps in. Uh, we have these maps here called uh, ordnance survey maps. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, so they they they're like a really, really specific, very very highly detailed type of map. They 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 are loved by, um, you know, walkers and cyclists and things like that because they they do give you that information about the contour lines and also where where your nearest pub is and things like that. All the important information if you're out if you're out and about. Yeah, I mean, I used to, when I was so I did my masters in London and my dream. My initial dream when I was halfway through my master's was to work for Ordnance Survey at some really? point. They're, they're just down <laughs> because, the road. Yeah. They're like, they're here. <laughs> really? Yeah, they're about, in, about five miles away. Is it in Southampton? or? Yeah, Southampton. That's absolutely. Well, bonus points for Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm telling you, my first dream was to work for Ordnance Survey. Because when yeah. I was, obviously, when I was studying the spatial data thing, all we would care about was Ordnance Survey and their perfect maps. <laughs> I've got bad news so, for you, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> so as i see the terrain does not have the contour lines but it does show you how the terrain is so you can say that in a way it's like it has the contour lines <laughs> I, I i accept that answer <laughs> hey folks this is charles maxwood and i just launched my book the max coder's guide to finding your dream developer job it's up on amazon we self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. So what about geofencing? Can you, I'm assuming you can do that. And can you specify like how big of an area is the fence or how small? Yes. So you, you can. And if, for example, you can also, when somebody's uh, searching for an address or they want to move around the map, you can you can set the bounds of the area that you can allow them to search in, for example. And I guess this can be taken one step further. And if you want to restrict location-based services, you can restrict it to a specific area by setting the map bounds. One more great thing that I really like about Google Maps is the drawing library. The drawing library is what it is. <laughs> it's, what, it's what it says it is. It allows you to draw on the map. So it can give you a number, I think it has five different types of controls. And yeah, so it gives you, you can draw a marker, a circle, a polygon, a polyline, or a rectangle, but you can adjust all these and you can change their color, their opacity, their outline, or you can change the type of marker, or you can change the type of polyline. So you can pretty much draw anything you want on the map. And it appears as an overlay on the map and it's, geo it's georeferenced so you can pretty much save it and export it as a geojson or as a kml or as whatever you want so that you can reuse it or for example if you're if you're trying to design if you're trying sort of to to create a geofencing area or if you have a map and you want to like draw over like with overlay over it where you want some area bounds to be or if you're, say, organizing an event in a big, large area and you want to sort of understand where everything you will be, or if you have your satellite map and you want to mark the locations of trees or some buildings, you can just draw over these places and export them and you, you can have them geolocate 
georeferenced so that you can add them in your GIS application, for example. And in a GIS application, then you can take this and do whatever complicated thing a GIS developer does <laughs> or an architect does, I guess. What else? And other things that Google Maps integrates well with? Oh, you can also, of course, because you get access to so the, the Google Street View static API, you can also create some applications that you click on a place and give you the street view of it. Or you can change the, of course, you can change the tilt of your map. And according to the view, you can, I don't know, potentially you can create some nice visuals. But yes. Any questions so far? Millions. Let me think. <laughs> okay, try me. <laughs> oh, no. I I'm, this is, I'm finding this absolutely fascinating, actually. I, I, I realized listening to you speak that I've done, I've used mapping in like every job I've had probably since I entered this industry. I haven't really even thought about it. I've used, I've used Google Maps. Like my very, very, very first job, like building, just building websites, I had to do a Google Maps. And I didn't know any JavaScript. I was just a HTML and CSS boy then. And um, I remember the I remember the config object for that being quite complicated. And all I all I really wanted to do was it was for a, like a car rental place. I just I just needed to show all of their branches on a map, right? And I remember that being quite complex. But then since since then I've I've used Mapbox in one job, and I have used Leaflet in another one. And I was just interested to know if you had any opinions on is there any reason why. Google, I kind of feel like you kind of answered this. Is there, I was going to say, is there any reason why Google Maps is necessarily better than those? But I mean, sounds like Google Maps does app. <laughs> so this is my understanding as well. But I know that it's it's been a long, long time since I last used Leaflet. So it wouldn't really be fair to say that I know what capabilities Leaflet offers because I guess seven years ago, Google Maps would offer half of what it offers now. Yeah, but absolutely. I do know that Leaflet... Leaflets maybe for a bit some simpler implementations, and I know Mapbox offers offers complexity handling, but I really haven't used this in a long time, so I'm not sure. Mm. What I can tell you, however, is that if you want to go really complex, maybe you should use open layers because open layers really almost simulates JS software. Right. But I guess for the average and above average user, Google Maps can cover pretty much everything. Mm. I remember one of them forced you to use Bing Maps, and that was enough for me to despise everything about it. Yeah, so yeah, the good thing about Google Maps, the Google Maps JavaScript API, is that you use Google Maps, which has everything on it. I mean, and it's very familiar for your user as well, because chances are your user uses Google Maps in their everyday life, so they will already be familiar with it. That answers all of my one million questions. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, the... What's... Yeah, sorry. No, that's fine. So back around to the geofencing thing. That's cool that you can restrict the uh, the map like that. But I was thinking about like mobile applications, and when your device gets into a specific area, is do you use Google Maps for that, or is there some other GPS API that you would use for that? I guess you would use some other GPS API. Okay. Oh, the Google Maps JavaScript API. Yes. API. So I'm. Sh I know that the browser offers the geolocation API natively, so you wouldn't need the Google Maps API to to get the location of a user. Cool. I know nothing about this, which is why I asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> but so what's in to get a little bit back on Angular for a moment? But I think that's Angular. And the way it handles your view and the way things are rendered are loaded and loaded really 
improves the experience of working with Google Maps. And also because it uses TypeScript, it really helps to have types and really understand. It really helps you use the complex API of Google Maps if everything is typed and everything is within the context of Angular. Because once you load it and you grab the elements, the elements that you want to use with the view child and you use you use the, the user interactions and the, the DOM events uh, from within Angular, I think everything is a lot more smoother than, than using the, the, the plain JavaScript API on a plain JavaScript application. So it, it really improves the experience. Have you played with this map style with google.com? Of where, course. Yeah, that's a different. Yeah, uh, it is a big thing. And it wasn't there. It wasn't there. It wasn't always there. It was pretty recent. I think it's been yeah. like a year that it's been around. Before that, you would just have a JSON file and you would just play around and reload. Yeah, the so map. for those listening, it's like a WYSIWYG for basically over your options for styling the map. Uh, there would be a link in the show notes. But then you can, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun just to even mess around with and make a weird looking map. Uh, yeah, that is for really sure. Cool. Yeah, it does what I described in the beginning, where you can change the color of geometries or even remove geometries completely. And you can really use this to the advantage of your business because you can brand your map to totally match the, the brands of your business or your website or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah, and then you just take the JSON and paste it into oh, it's really wherever cool. you need it. Yeah, yeah I've seen the All dark right. one on some, some site somewhere. I can't remember where, but I thought, oh, that's cool. How'd they do that? Well, now we know. <laughs> so. So now all the other panelists are building their own maps. In their yeah, yeah. Colors. You, broke, you broke the episode. <laughs> <laughs> They're all. You're like, oh, cool. I, I like the retro view the best, but I think it looks cool. Anyways. Yeah, at the end of the episode, I'll give you another link to try out. It's my yeah. my sample for using the the drawing library where you can draw on the map. <laughs> this is very addicting as well. I was imagining it'd be like drawing in canvas, but the way you described it, it is not like drawing in canvas. <laughs> it may seem like it, but it's much more powerful because it's it scales as you zoom in and out, it scales and then you can export it and reuse it and import it again. So that's awesome. <laughs> Have you ever seen the street view cars drive by? Never. No. Never? <laughs> Never. I've caught him, uh, I think, three times in my life. And three me times. and my husband always stop and we're like, like trying to get on. <laughs> I've, I've only seen him driving and, and wish I was being a I Honestly, I haven't found, I haven't found a photo of me yet, but I try. Every time I see one, I try. <laughs> I found our cars on various ones. And it's the funny thing is because they don't update them very frequently. Like I, there's actually evidence of me living in about half a dozen different houses all <laughs> on the same <laughs> Oh, there's one of my cars. Oh, I've forgotten about that one. I did. I saw a thing on, I think it was on Twitter the other day, where a dog was following the van. And so this dog, if you just moved down the street in with the street view, the dog was just in every single photo. Oh, <laughs> it was just enjoying, enjoying following the van. I choose to believe that you didn't live in those houses. I just choose to believe you scattered your vast car collection across those right. houses. It's my car empire. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So in my neighborhood, it has only passed three times, as I see now, one in 2009, one in 2011, and one in 2014. So, and it's how, always- How do you see when it passes? I didn't know you could see that. Oh, you can, no, you cannot see when it passes. You can see the, when is the imagery from? Oh, where's okay. that? Where's that info? Yeah, where, where, where's that oh, info? So if you go on Street View and you go 
to and you open street view on your area and you go to the top right and it says your address and it says street view in small letters and it's it has sort of a clock with I, I guess I can share my screen but if you click on the clock you can see nice <laughs> yes awesome. right, I was always guessing I was like I think yeah. this is around this year but that's uh, so cool. winter you know <laughs> well, click on the clock there's a clock let me share my screen. Chris is like, where is it? I'm trying find. to find the car at one of my old houses. <laughs> he misses that car. <laughs> oh, I have a new MacBook, so it doesn't let me share until I close and open yeah. again, so I won't be sharing my screen. <laughs> That's all right. This, this uh, is a podcast, after all. We, we should. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I found it. June 2009 is in the top left, so they, they've gone past since I moved out, which is why my car's gone. Uh. <laughs> in August. Oh, but you wow. can go... You can go back in time and see. Yeah, all... yeah. You oh. can see. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> where, where is it? It's, you've, got the, you've got the address in the top left, and then there's a little clock with like arrows on it. And you open that. You can, So I can go back as far as September 2012. Uh, that's pretty funky, I have to say. Yes. <laughs> Wait, why is it funky? Like funky, funky. as cool? Oh, funky is a, we would say that over here to me. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> I see, because funky oh, here is like that's bad, pretty right? jank. <laughs> oh, okay. No, funky is like, oh yeah, that's funky. Cool. Did you just use that. jank to describe another word that doesn't make as much sense? Okay, you like, think of oh. one that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> isn't isn't jank like, just like animation talk? Is there? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't Janky. know. I use it like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we would say. Yeah, I mean, it's like gank, but it starts with a J. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say is it, is it, with a G? Yeah. <laughs> is it is it jank? Is that word have another meaning in uh, in America by just being like horrendous? Nope. Rude? No, good. Uh, okay. Doesn't. It's, <laughs> no, it's just not. a silly sounding word to me. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah, a, a, a hush fell over the crowd. Ooh. Why on earth is he talking about that? Edit, edit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we are at the top of the hour. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover about Google Maps in Angular before we head to our picks? Any other any other questions? Anything? No? We're good? Not for me. Why is my lawn so green in 2012? And now it looks so awful. <laughs> Climate change. Ah. Okay. Thank you. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood. And over the last few years, I've gotten to know a lot of great people within the Microsoft community. And specifically in the .NET area. Uh, one of our guests from JavaScript Jabber, Sean Clabo, actually reached out to me and said he wanted to start a show on .NET. And there are a ton of people out there that I feel like sometimes get neglected in the .NET space. So if you're one of those folks, uh, you've been listening to maybe one or two of the other .NET focused or Microsoft focused podcasts for a while and thought, well, where's the devchat.tv style podcast for me in .NET? You can find it. It's at adventuresin.net.net is spelled out D-O-T-N-E-T, adventuresin.net.com. Go check it out today. All right, raise your hand. Who's got the picks? Who's got them? Anybody? Brad being here has broken the, the usual order of things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, got, I got picks. I'm ready. Do it, Brooks. Do that it. Right, order as well. two, what is going on here? Yeah, I know. Two, two picks. One is JavaScript-related uh, single spa.js. And that is a framework that lets you use different front-end frameworks on the same single-page application. Um, so I had the request of converting a React application to angular slowly so you know keeping the react site going and doing new development in angular so this is what i've been looking at and making a poc with so it's worked out well so far so pumped about that and then 
bring in the maps, there is a documentary called Behind the Curve on Netflix. And awesome. it's about flat earthers <laughs> and the whole culture and, yeah, why they believe in what they believe in and all of that. The very Such a great pick. Yeah. I'm so excited. I love that thing. I have watched I have watched that documentary. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I wasn't it's convinced cool. though. I wasn't convinced. No, I don't well, think I mean, that's you know, the point. But um <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they set out to convince you. I think they set out to show you. <laughs> just to just, show you what happens when you run a twenty thousand dollar gyroscope. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's definitely interesting in today's age with conspiracies and stuff. So um, yeah. Yes. We should do a podcast, just one episode about that show that would be amazing about <laughs> behind the curve <laughs> yeah yeah just just a one episode movie podcast yeah spin off well i mean we spin could off. spin off into like multiple episodes about it and pick a what, little piece here and there what are those called where it's like you they start doing them on twitch you're like watching a movie and you're streaming watching it yeah, I don't know. What mm, a reactions video. <laughs> uh, we, we, it's just according to I never watch them, but according to all of the the thumbnails on YouTube, it's basically going to involve us like all like this, <laughs> <laughs> or this. Yeah, yeah. or that. Yeah, yeah maybe facepalm. <laughs> oh, so Brad, Brad or Chris? Anybody picks? Yes, no. Maybe. I'll go since I interrupted Brooks anyway to be so excited about his pick. I have one pick, and it is the stool I'm sitting on. It's the Ergo stool from autonomous.ai and it is fantastic it's got what does little, it do it just i can rotate but i don't feel like i'm sitting on an exercise ball so it's kind of like helps your core and also helps your back hurt <laughs> because the muscles are being worked out that's why but it raises and lowers and it's got a little like scooped bottom so you can tilt well, does it have artificial order. intelligence in it? <laughs> it doesn't i don't know why but you said it was named autonomous it was by a company called autonomous ai yeah they i think if I remember correctly, they started on Kickstarter by doing sit-stand desk kits. So, like, you could do and those you know, had AI like in them? the legs. I want to know what the artificial I, intelligence is in this company. Brooks, I, I, I agree. I'm upset about <laughs> it. However, yeah. Anyway, this tool's great. It fits in my little spot where my little makeshift desk is, and I can rotate my core. And he looks really, he looks really awesome right now. By the way, he's doing some. Yes. Oh, cool yes. I, I wanted to get that stool as well. I got the Argo chair by Autonomous. Oh, oh, oh the, yeah, oh. that's the one. But I wanted to order the stool as well, but it wasn't shipped into Greece. Only the oh, chair. no. Yeah. That sucks. It took so me forever to get mine because I, I got it during COVID because then I need somewhere to sit. So it took forever. <laughs> but I think a lot of that stuff's been fixed now. How long so. can you do you stool for like all day, hours at a time, or do you like need a break from uh, it? This is such an odd conversation. <laughs> How is your stool? <laughs> <laughs> I stool. Is that a verb no. now? I'm not we a native English stools. speaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably for the best that you're not, to be fair, <laughs> for this exact bit. But I think that stool stands for something else as well, or yeah. not? It yes. could. It could. In okay. <laughs> In a in a medical context, I yes. suppose most often. Usually, that's what the doctors refer to. Your okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll sit on for a few hours and then I'll have to stand sometimes. And okay, then I was like, because I I feel like I would get very tired. <laughs> you do, you do, but it's it's still good because it's nice. It's easy. Only ninety nine dollars. It's pretty nice. Yeah, I've i enjoyed it. So yeah, so that's my pick. I guess I could pick the desk too. My son bought one of the desk kits and built his desk, and it's pretty awesome. 
It's a great sit-stand desk at a good price. Mm. So yeah. Those can be very expensive. They can, and they don't have to be. Chris, Chris, what you got for us? Yeah, I got, I'm going to pick two things. One inspired by this episode is this app called What Three Words. If you're familiar with that at all, it's this, uh, I want to say it's a British company, and they basically came up with a new way of doing mapping. They divided the entire face of the earth into nine square meter squares, which is something in feet for the people using imperial measurement. And basically assigned each square. So about the entire earth is made up of these little squares and each square is assigned a three word combination. And so like you're talking like quite small. I can't show you my hands because my arms aren't that long. But um, the idea is, is that it, it can be used by people like the emergency services. If, you, if you're lost in the woods, as may happen, for example, and you like, I have no idea where I am and maybe GPS, you get that thing where you just get the huge blue circle because it can't actually zone in where you are. You, you load up the What Three Words app on your phone and it will literally be like, you could call the police and it'll be like, what are your words? It'll be like, I'm a camel, hippopotamus, chicken nuggets. And, 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 and they'll be able to use that to work out exactly which of these tiny squares you're in and go straight to you. And I just think that is, is mental, but also pretty awesome that somebody came up with that. So that's a really nice idea. I, I had it on my phone for a bit. And then, to be honest, I got bored. I don't get lost in the woods that often. But I can imagine it's really useful. And I thought you've seen nice the, the second Frozen movie. All I can hear is the What's Lost happened? in the Woods song. There's What's a Lost happened? in the Woods song. Every time I, have, I say it, I'm like, Lost in the Woods. Like, it's, it's just. I have, I have two sons. The only thing that goes on in my house is Thomas the Tank Engine and Cars. And that, Listen, is, that is my life. Some of us watch things like Frozen and Disney Channel for fun. But, you know, we're, this is a no judgment zone. No, I, 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 I judge. I, am, I have no judgment. My other <laughs> pick. My other pick, I picked it a couple of weeks ago when it was a pre-order. It's a video game. It came out last week. It's called uh, Kingdoms of Amala Re-Reckoning. It's this big RPG that was out, I don't know, maybe like seven, eight years ago. And I loved it. And they've just basically remastered it and chucked it back out and stuck a full price tag on it. But um, I got it. I love it. I was. I found myself up at like 1.30am this morning. And today I was, I was deeply regretful for that because I'm kind of too old on a Monday morning for that now. But um, it's a great game. I really like it. That's my picks. So I, I I also have to say one thing about your picks. I have something to say about everybody's picks. I don't know how your format <laughs> is for this. Jump in. <laughs> so back in 2014, I was at a conference in Leeds, the GIS uh, Research UK GISRUC conference. And what three words were presenting and they were, they were just starting to get their, their words out. And it was an amazing presentation because, you know, the company that was just starting and they were just explaining how everything that you described. And I was really, really amazed. And I always liked what three words since that name. And I've spent hours also looking at combinations of words and where they point to. <laughs> Have we searched camel, hippopotamus, chicken nuggets yet? <laughs> I don't know if chicken nuggets uh, yeah. are That's four words, isn't it? Doing it. Camel. Uh -oh. say nuggies. <laughs> We call them nuggies in my family. Neat titles. Neat titles. Uh, my, okay, so my pick while they're looking up their three words is UI Wednesdays with Alyssa. Who's me? Hey, on Code It Live, the Twitch channel. Check it out. We do some fun CSS challenges, 3 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday. So yeah, love to see you all. Katarina, what are your picks, darling? So I hadn't really understood what picks were when I put these notes in the Google Doc that we have for preparation. Yeah, so. no worries. It's just anything because I saw that you're in that. Is, yeah. is that how you say it? So I love sci-fi fantasy books. Love. But I've never even 
heard of this Brosif. So can you give us like a rundown of who and what? And if we want to start reading, where do we begin? Because I think there's a lot, right? Like, did he say, did, are you talking about Isaac Asimov? Yes. And you'd never heard of him? Mm-mm. No, I'm very... Well, I, have no, I, don't, I don't judge. This is a no judgment zone. I, I've never read... I'm sorry, I'm interrupting your pick. I've never read Isaac Asimov either. At least I know who he is, though, honestly. <laughs> have, a, have a word with yourself, love. That's what we'd say. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> so long. <laughs> That's my favorite part of like. Anyway, I'll, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah, I really like Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov is uh, is a very famous was a very famous science fiction writer, and he established the three laws of robotics, and he wrote all these books about robots and artificial intelligence. And what's more exciting now is that I think start of next year. The foundation, which is sort of his magnum opus, like his great, one of his great books and trilogies and whatever, is being turned into a series. I think it's an Apple TV, I'm not sure. And I'm very, very excited about that. And I'm rereading all the books now that I have of him to, to get me going until the series comes out, I think in January or February. So it's one of the things that keeps me excited these days. <laughs> which is totally not map related, but <laughs> I love it. If someone wanted to get started, is there a place, like a, a first book they should read? I would say that they could start with any books that have something to do with robots. He has some, I think it's like called the, the, the Complete Robot, which has all the short stories uh, around robots, or you could start with iRobot, for example. Nice. Very nice. So yeah, that was my pick. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, it was wonderful having you. Learned Thank so you. much about Google Maps and the JavaScript API. I had, had no idea it had that many capabilities. So thank you for coming on and sharing your vast knowledge of the subject with us. Thank you very, very much for inviting me. It was very fun. And I was a bit terrified in the beginning, but yeah, you made you made the experience wonderful. <laughs> I was, uh, we're glad you were here. Yeah. yeah, it was fabulous. It was super, super interesting. And yes, there's no need to be nervous because we're just all a bunch of idiots having a laugh. Sure which is uh, <laughs> having a laugh on a Monday evening. <laughs> Am I supposed to laugh or? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, okay. nobody. Really, again, nobody anything should. Chris says, you just laugh. Okay. Nobody should okay. ever laugh at me because it just encourages me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll see you all on the next Adventures in Angular. Thank you, Katerina. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.